Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. He started reporting on the New Jersey Nets at only 12 years old, and he co-hosted the Nets Slammin' Planet. That's right. I went back and did some research on you. Wrote for The Source and Respect Magazines, as well as being a writer and radio host for CBS. You may have also caught him on not just NBA TV and ESPN, but also on CNN and MSNBC. My guy gets around. Now he is a senior writer for BasketballSocietyOnline.com and host of the Scoop B Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Scoop B himself, Brandon Robinson. What's up, man? Hey, man, listen, if I ever get into wrestling, I'm hiring you as my hype man. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> I got Thanks you. Keith always brings the intros. He's really good at that. <laughs> and uh, and it, it seems most appropriate here. We got to start off with our weekly Jimmy Butler update, which as far as I think me and Brandon <laughs> would be concerned, is a whole lot more of the same. Doesn't seem like much is changing, at least from the Portland perspective. But Scoop, we've got you here. You've got the national takes on this. What's the latest on Jimmy Butler? I heard something about the, the Miami trade maybe breaking down down is that is that where you're at yeah the, the miami trade is breaking down simply because miami and the minnesota timberwolves can't agree on a trade uh, the, the medical records of jimmy butler were sent over to the miami heat uh and then there were some you know more pieces that they needed to figure out you know how your mom always tells you if you give someone an inch they want to take them out yep <laughs> Miami offered what they offered and then minnesota wanted a little more but that shouldn't say much because they really thought that they would trade uh, to get Ben Simmons. So, you know, this is like lamb chop, the song that never ends. So who's, <laughs> what's, what's the deal in Minnesota? Who's running the show there? Is it Glenn Miller? Is it Tibbs? Is Tibbs being unreasonable? Are they both being unreasonable? Like who's the, who's the one asking for the moon in this? The Timberwolves in the sense of it's, it's Tibbs handling the business side of it, but then you also have kickback from uh, Glenn Taylor as well. I, I use a perfect analogy. I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were reminiscing on the Boston Celtics trade with the Brooklyn Nets some years ago uh, when they sent Kevin Garnett and and Paul Pierce to the Nets. Billy King made the deal, uh, but he was listening to Mikhail Provorov. And at the end of the day, the man who cuts the checks has the last word. Tibbs is is both you know the decision maker in trades and also the head coach, um, but at the same time, um, I think they're trying to get the most for their deal. So now you're looking into a situation where you're going into the regular season, and if, if Butler sits out, he's going to start getting fined. 
Uh, so he's here. He's not here, and he will get fined. I play on work there. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, folks that I did speak to uh, over the weekend did, in fact, say to me that uh, Jimmy Butler's preferences to Miami, and it seems as though uh, the Heat and the Timberwolves are trying to make something happen. When it will happen, the world may never know. <laughs> so what's the uh, what's like the construct of that trade that fell through? Do you happen to know what would have been coming back uh, between both teams? Like, what would that trade have looked like had it been executed? Well, the people, well, I had reported uh, two Sundays ago that the, the Minnesota Timberwolves were, uh, in fact, prepared to offer uh, Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker in exchange for uh, Jimmy Butler. I believe there were some talks of draft picks involved as well. Um, and those talks kind of broke down. Uh, and what I will say is, um, on the on the role of the Miami Heat and the, the Minnesota Timberwolves on the Heat side, they're trying to get rid of Hassan Whiteside. From what I understand, the yeah. Timberwolves don't want him. And then on the Timberwolves side, they're trying to get rid of uh, Gorgie Dang and his contract, and uh, Miami don't want it. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's just back and forth, and things are trying to figure out. Then you look at it on the Miami-Minnesota side. Uh, Minnesota wants Richardson. Miami doesn't want to give him up. So it's right. like you're, you're going back and forth. Anything you can do, I can do better. No, you can't. Yes, I can. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, and, and, and I'll say that, you know, Milwaukee, as, as reported by um, a colleague, Chris Sheridan, Milwaukee was in talks to, to bring in uh, the, the Jimmy Butler in that, in that situation. What better way to bring Jimmy Butler to Marquette? Not that far from uh, the, the arena. But, you know, this is just something, you know, the Brooklyn Nets were early in those talks. Uh, and, and there was talk that uh, D'Angelo Russell, potentially would get traded. I got roasted on Twitter for that. Um, the one thing I can tell you is um, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns are friends. Just like uh, I was with Carl two, two, three weeks ago uh, at an event, and Carl was telling me about how cool he and, and Hassan Whiteside are. So it would have been cool to see Hassan uh-huh. go over there. But I also know I was talking to somebody uh, a couple days ago. They said, you know, the Timberwolves don't really want Hassan Whiteside. Um, they were saying he played in Lebanon and didn't really – it didn't make the team or something like that. It was trying out or something of that sort. I, I, you hear a lot of things. Um, but the, the issue is they really don't want him. And I thought it was interesting. There was a rumor going around uh, that there was a uh, Miami Heat scout at one of the Timberwolves games. Um, I think I were – Ira over the, the uh, over that covers the Miami Heat had tweeted that the other day, um, and it's just interesting to see Hassan Whiteside's play kind of increased a little bit uh, in one of those games uh, during the preseason. <laughs> so it's just a lot of back and forth. A lot of people showcasing for their next co- next contract, and through all of that, Minnesota, Miami, uh, and even Houston, um, PJ Tucker is available uh, for the next Miami Heat preseason preseason game, as per uh, Mike D'Antoni, and then also. I'm glad to see uh, Minnesota Timberwolf guard uh, Derrick Rose uh, play well over the past week in the preseason. It's a great story, and um, this is the preseason. We're not even talking about regular season. A lot of action to go on before the preseason starts in a couple of days. It is cool seeing Derrick Rose coming out there for sure. I think he's like in his 11th season at this point. So after everything that he's gone through, it's kind of nice seeing him come around. But I, that actually brings up what I kind of wanted to circle back to is uh, health. You mentioned Jimmy Butler, the the uh, his medical records being sent over to Miami. You also mentioned Jimmy Butler not wanting to miss any games this season, not just for health reasons, but uh, would end up getting fined. Where do you think... Right. And, but so I, I feel like that's probably where this is really going to come down to because Butler probably doesn't want to be playing for Minnesota, but he also doesn't want to miss games. Tibbs doesn't want to trade him. He wants to try and like get a chance to keep him around, maybe see how he builds into the roster, keep him for part of the season. It, where is the breaking point? I guess I, I, th- I feel like that's really what it's going to come down to beyond just the low, the low balling trades from Miami and whatever else is. Is Tibbs going to be able to, you think, uh, do you think he'll be able to get Butler back on their page, back on someone, uh, 
Not a chance? No, no. Situation <laughs> without being too specific because of the sensitivity of the matter. If you could read in between those lines, no, I don't see it happening. Not happening. Well, yeah, that, that's that seems pretty concise for it. I I, I think that's a, as good a sign of any that we should be expecting Jim, Jimmy Butler to get moved, whether it is by December or by February. Who really knows at this point? Like you said, gonna have to just wait and see. What we do have uh, right now, we have some preseason that is pretty much wrapped up at this point. And I feel like one of the biggest takes that I've heard across the preseason game so far has been an uptick in the number of foul calls. The officiating seems to be much tighter than I think uh, players and coaches and teams uh, tend to be used to in past season. Just some quick quotes here from some of the Blazers after uh, their first game against Toronto. Casey Holdall reported there were nearly two fouls per minute when averaged across the whole game. Stotts says it was it's a point of emphasis thing. I talked to the officials. They said they're going to call it tight so that we all adapt. And Dame, he actually had some more pointed words. He says, you know, you see a lot of rule changes and a lot of that stuff that they've done to speed up the game. When you got a foul being called every 15 seconds, that's not speeding up the game. That's slowing it down. I think it's just to get our attention, make guys understand that this won't be tolerated. I think it'll be more of the same. They'll call it a lot early. And as the season goes on, they'll kind of taper it back. Would you agree with this? Do you think we'll actually see any difference in the NBA regular season? Or is this just another one of those things where they try and make an example in the preseason and then it just goes back to the way it's always been? I think early on, it's it's it, it's going to uh, be a situation where refs are going to call certain pl- uh, fouls early on. And it reminds me so much of a few years ago, uh, maybe more than a few years ago, um, but I don't even remember today's. But a few years ago, when um, <laughs> I know that they were upset about the players, the, the leaks in a memo about players complaining to refs and, and refs were really expediting a lot of technical fouls early right. on. It also reminds me of when they, they created the new basketball and everybody complained about that, and then they ended up going to the old basketball. Um, and so to answer your question, I think the NBA is more of the same. I think that early on you're going to get that that type of calls, but then I think it's going to go back to the way it was. And I think the, the, the stars get the calls and the scrubs or the bench players, uh, they don't get star calls. Yeah, the way I- of Michael Jordan. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. And I, I agree with that, that it's like, yeah, like the refs are going to have especially particular calls and certain things are going to want to have a point of emphasis on. And they will kind of make an example out of that early in the season just to let everyone know, hey, like this is the kind of stuff we're going to be looking out for. And what you said about the relationship between officials and players, like, remember, like this is the relationship between players and officials, like how much power do the players have on the court? How much can they express themselves? That's a dynamic. It's always been there and it's changing over time, right? Like it's becoming more and more of a player's league. The players have more power now than they did 30 years ago, for example. And so it's, it's this tenuous thing. I mean, you hear like referees, Oh, they want like more respect. And so they want players to respect them more. But at the same time, it's like, you know, my take on that is like officials are not held accountable for when they don't do a good job, right? Like their media availability, is very limited. When there's a controversial call at the end of games, there's that process by which one reporter can submit a question about a particular call, get the answer back in writing, no follow-ups. And so it's like this whole thing to me about like, oh, players don't respect officials. It's like, look, like the players are held accountable way more publicly and much more often than officials are. And so I don't know, that's my take on that. No, and, and it's interesting you say that because I think players are just conditioned to hate referees just like certain players. <laughs> are conditioned to just not trust reporters. And look, they're good reporters out there. They're good referees out there. And I'll use a perfect example. Um, I was covering and at a, a uh, primetime basketball league uh, that Byron Scott runs and operates. And it was in uh, Rutgers University in New Jersey. And um, I was sitting to the side of the bench uh, where there were just, you know, retired basketball players there. So, like, on a team, you had Darius Miles, a former Blazer, 
Um, yes. You had people like Sunday out of games. You, you, you had Amari Stoudemire. You had all these guys, right? Luther Head was on a team with, 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 with Darius Miles. And I remember um, a ref called a bad play. And Nick Anderson was coaching it, coaching his team. And uh, somebody looked at me. It was a New York versus a Chicago game. So, and so basically somebody got a call in New York and a guy on the bench from Chicago looked at me and said, yeah, he got that call because he's from New York. And then <laughs> Darius Miles started cursing the guy out. I'm not going to say what he said because I like Darius. <laughs> on my door. But what I will say is he's conditioned from all those years and, you know, some various other things. But he's made his mistakes. But he's, <laughs> he's conditioned to hate the referees. He said all type of four-letter words, stuff that, you know, you hear in the street. I've never heard NBA guys <laughs> yell it. He was yelling it because he felt comfortable. And he felt that he's up here, the rough is here, and stop being partial to New York. And, you know, that, that, so I think that that hate for players or the, the hate that the players have for refs, um, you're conditioned to just feel that way. Yeah, I, I think it's a... It's definitely one of those where I don't think there's much they can do. There's definitely everyone comes in with their own, um, I guess, impressions already made before the season's long begun. And you kind of heard it in Dame's words there, too. He, he already has kind of decided how he feels about this and he thinks it's going to be going away. I'm to be totally honest. I'm, I'm one of these guys. I'm riding on the, the the train for getting the calls right. I don't care how long the game takes. I don't care if it makes it a little longer. So I don't mind. I, I we actually talked about this on a previous episode, Brandon. We were talking about. Uh, I think I would. I feel like if they stepped up the calls and really got made a point of getting every call correct and calling all the small things, then in maybe just one season, you're going to have players making a lot less of the ticky tack calls, a lot less of trying to get away with the small things because they know they're going to be on camera. They know they're going to get caught. The problem. The problem with that is just in the short term, you have a lot of. Uh, fr- friction and frustration between the players and the officiating. There's one more thing I think about too. It's like the ways in which rules are enforced and like the selective enforcement of some rules and scoop, scoop you said it earlier, it's like based on how good the player is, based on you know where the game is near the end of the game or not near the end of the game, but based on whether it's a playoff game or not a playoff game. Like for me, like if the NBA wants some of this like friction between players and officials to be settled down, you would change your rules to reflect what you actually want to have happen on the court and then you do it consistently. Like the inconsistency and you hear it again and again, it's not about, oh, like the game's being called tight. Like, yeah, that's annoying. When people complain, oftentimes it's like, it's inconsistent. Like they're calling it differently in the first quarter. They were in the fourth quarter. They call it differently for this team than for our team. So for me, it's like about consistency, change the rules you want to change to match what's actually happening on the court. That's the best way to do it in my humble opinion. And look, there's no way that you're going to get it right all the time. I mean, that's just like saying you, you preach objectivity in journalism. Yep. Nobody's going to totally get it right all the time. Everybody has their bias. Exactly. And at the end of the day, you know, the refs, I think they they want to try to get it right. But, you know, I talk about Amari Stoudemire. And, you know, he, recently we talked about um, how that 2007 uh, playoff series when he was a Phoenix Suns against the Spurs, when Steve Nash got knocked into the scorer's table by Robert Ory, you know, he, he said that he, he talked about Donahue. You know, there's a distrust yeah. that players have with uh, referees. And, you know, when you have situations like Donahue, where Donahue talked about how he, you know, skewed the game. And then you look at, you know, the, the 2002 Western Conference Finals, the, the, the Lakers and the Sacramento Kings, obviously going into yeah. the season. The Kings were the better team. And, you know, you, you talk to guys like Samaki Walker, a guy I've had on the Scoopy Radio podcast talking about just that Sacramento Kings series and how, you know, he hit that big shot. As a power forward, that wasn't his shot, but at the same time, he hit it. And, but then you just look at the play of 
how well Chris Webber was clicking that year, how, how well Mike Bibby was clicking that year. Doug Christie was on his A game. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, people are going to always have an opinion. And I think what changes net versus in 2002 to 2018 is people have social media. Some people shouldn't have it, but, you know, that's the way of the world. <laughs> if only we could restrict who was on social media. That really would make things a little more clear and easy. Hey, uh, Keith, is that a shot at me? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so, so tonight, Blazers have uh, their one of the, I think their third preseason game of five, third one against Utah, six p.m. at the Rose Garden. Uh, listeners, it is not too late to get your tickets for that and check it out. Although by the time you hear this podcast, it will be too late. Anyway, uh, Harkless has been missing for us so far. He's had this knee issue that he has been kept out much. Uh, it's been keeping him out much longer than expected. He is listed as probable tonight. Last time I saw, and on the other side of the coin, Et is questionable. So we might be seeing. Uh, the standard Blazers starting lineup that we've expected from uh, seasons past. But let's use that to actually transition right into the Western Conference feelings. And uh, Scoop, I want to just ask you straight up to start this off. Be gentle, please. But where do you think Portland stands (laughs) in Western Conference this year? I think they're a top six team. Uh, when you look at just the, the togetherness that they had last year, uh, you look at the play of CJ McCollum and the combination of he and Damian Lillard, you look at Yusuf Nurkic and, you know, his ability to, to really uh, blend well. He's a double-double threat, and I think defensively, um, I really like him, uh, and I think I expect him to step up this year, even specifically, um, with the or not the addition, but the emergence, I believe, this season of, of Zach Collins. Got an yeah. ad on Scoopy Radio. Uh, got it legitimately the, the, the Vegas phenom, excuse me, um, I, I think that I think he'll step up this year. I like his shooting. I think that he kind of played out of position last year and or was hurt last year. Um, and I just I like his I like his intellect on the on the basketball side. Like I know you guys are homers. You're impressed that I'm saying that, but you know I, I can't bet against a Damian Lillard. Um, I, and I've said this before. I think when you looked at uh, the play of Donovan Mitchell uh, last year. Uh, ironically, the, in the preseason, the, the, the um, Blazers and the, and the Jazz are playing against each other. But when you look at uh, the play of Donovan Mitchell and you look at the play of Damian Lillard, uh, I, I consider them the, the the next wave of a Dwayne Wade uh, in the sense of a guy that you didn't expect to come in and play as well as they have and really hit key shots. They've had everything to prove. Uh, and I think that more than anything, if those guys stay on the right path, uh, the sky's the limit. But you still got to go against a Golden State Warriors team. You still got to go against a Houston Rockets team. Heck, you still got to go against a, a Los Angeles Lakers team. And I don't see them in the same class. But boy, those guys are competitive to watch. They're exciting to watch. They play team basketball. Um, and, and I like them. I like the Blazers. Okay, I just want to interject here real quick. When you first answered, answered, especially since I said the thing about being gentle, I thought you said top 16, as in like, you know, 15 teams in the West. Oh, they'll be in the top 16 somewhere. I'm like, oh, come on, bro. Uh, but then when I realized you said top six, that's actually (laughs) top six in the Western conference. That would have been clever. That would have been clever though. (laughs) Top 16 in the West. (laughs) We'll go with that. No, no, I'm good though. I like hearing this top six in the West. I think that's maybe encouraging for, I think what a lot of Portland fans have started to expect with a lack of change this off season. I think we're kind of expecting, Oh man, we might be just falling out of the playoffs entirely, but it's important to remember you see a team like Minnesota falling apart this off season. Uh, Denver, which is a team that we keep expecting to make that jump. I don't really know if I'm expecting, to see it and while a lot of people are so high on the Lakers this year 
I I would put Blazers ahead of the Lakers, I think, when it all is said and done at the end of the season. I think it's possible that LeBron is, is not able to carry them through the West the way that he was able to carry the Cavs through the East. I think, and I want to say, add something. Uh, we talk about cohesiveness and them not making changes this season. You look at it comparatively. Uh, we talk about LeBron. You talk about sticking together. You look at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, they lost LeBron James, which was a big miss, uh, but they still have a lot of that team still together. And, and, uh, and a J.R. Smith, who's apparently a prize fighter now, and uh, uh, <laughs> Kevin Love, and I, and I think that there is such a, a, a in a day and age where everybody wants to make a big splash all the time. Um, I think that uh, staying together is so completely underrated. Uh, and, and and you see it with the Boston Celtics with Kyrie Irving making a declaration that if the Boston Celtics will have him, he'll come back the following season. Um, but I, to me, until he signs paper, that that's not official. It's kind of like me saying that the Blazers are a top 16 team. But when you look at um, th- when you look at the Lakers, specifically to your point there, um, I- I'm not ready to write them off or say that the Blazers are better only because you still do have a LeBron James and you have a team concept of guys. Uh, Brandon Ingram, who is going to shoot lights out and just jump out the building every time he touches the ball. I might have to give him some Adderall to calm down at some time because during the, during the season, <laughs> he just looks that focused and that, that sincere in doing what he's going to do. I also like, you know, I like, like Rajon Rondo, but like, I think there will be times during the season that those guys will struggle just because they're trying to figure each other out. And I think they're one superstar or two superstars away uh, from building something very special in Los Angeles. But I think that that young squad, it reminds me so much of that 2014 Cleveland Cavaliers team when LeBron returned back to Cleveland. Um, and, and, and I just, I can't write LeBron off. So they're great in my mind right now as an incomplete, uh, but I still do think that they can compete. Those guys can compete with any team in the Western Conference. And I think you'll see them in the playoffs still. Let's let's talk about what what you think the standings are going to look like at the end of this season. And, and before we do that, quickly, the, the Vegas has the Blazers. I think at forty two and a half is where they set the line, which might sound a little low to Blazers fans. But look, the West got better. The Blazers didn't. This is hey, they, they bumped that up. It used to be forty one and a half like a month ago. So we gained oh, a little really? respect. Even wow, that's that's surprising. So <laughs> here here are the teams that finished with forty two wins or more last year in descending order. Okay, you got the Rockets, the Warriors. Warriors, the Blazers, Thunder, Jazz, Pelicans, Spurs, Wolves, Nuggets, Clippers. That's 10 teams. It didn't even mention the Lakers. That's 11. And then you, I mean, I don't know if, how you feel about the Mavericks, how you feel about the Suns. So with that in mind, we know, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to touch the Warriors. The, the Rockets got a little worse. But Scoop, like when you're looking at those other teams, like what are your tiers in the West? Like, is there a top tier and then a second one? And or is there like a big mush in the middle? Like, how do you think the West is going to shake out at the end of this year? Well, I do. You may mention of the, the uh, Denver Nuggets. I think, I think they're going to do much better than people expect. And I, and I actually like the fact that they are, you know, an underdog. Um, I, I like I like the addition of Isaiah Thomas, and you know, I talked to Clyde Drexler uh, this summer about uh, the expectations. Uh, you, you know, when you look at somebody like Clyde Drexler, uh, former Blazer, uh, I talked about yeah, how you know Michael Jordan was the top shooting guard during his time. You know, and and then who's next? You know, someone could say Clyde Drexler was next, right? And um, yeah. you know, I remember those old Dr. Clyde uh, via sneaker commercials. Um, but I, <laughs> Yeah, man. But I, I think I, the reason why I bring that up is, you know, when you look at Isaiah Thomas over the past year and a half, two years, he's gone from team to team to team to team. In addition to still mourning the death of his sister. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. and when you look at somebody like Kanye West, for example, sometimes people need to sit down and just reflect. And uh, when, when, when you lose someone in your life, 
Um, you don't really have time to do that, particularly when you're creative. And I think in a system with and, and with the with the Denver Nuggets, you know, Clyde Drexler said to me that you know, Isaiah can just be one of the guys, and he can be out of the spotlight. He went from Boston to Cleveland to L.A. to Twitter, running his mouth about all the people that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I think he's in a good place where he can really shine and, and, and do his thing. And so um, I like Denver. I, I, I think that uh, when you look at the Clippers, me personally, I don't see them there. And so you have to look at some other teams. Um, I think that when you look at the Phoenix Suns, I don't think they're there yet. But I do think that um, they're going to be excited to watch the addition of DeAndre Ayton. Uh, you, you also have Trevor Ariza. You, you have good shooting uh, in that trade that you exchanged with the, with the Houston Rockets. And, I, and I'll add this. You said that the Rockets got worse. I think they got worse to get better. Sometimes you have to waste money to make money. Um, and I think that Carmelo Anthony is going to come in for the Rockets and have something to prove this year. Uh, and, and more specifically, um, you, you lost a defensive uh, guy and, and not just Trevor Reza, but you also lost a guy in Bamute. I think that that guy was very underrated and it's going to be on Clint Capella's onus to really step it up. He got the big money, now he's got to play big money uh, games. And, you know, I, I think when you look at the Houston Rockets this season, um, or last season rather, you've never seen a big man put up the type of numbers in Houston since Hakeem Olajuwon. I, I wrote about this during the season. Um, last season, I said that you know the, the Houston Rockets haven't had a twenty and ten guy at the at the at the or twenty and twenty guy at least at the at the power forward or center position since Hakeem Olajuwon. He put up a crazy stat years ago on a Valentine's Day. You can check that out at Basketball Society back in April. But um, I, I really like them. To answer your question, I still think you look at the top three teams. I think in the Western Conference, you look at the Warriors, you look at the Rockets, um, and the third tier is kind of hard. I get yelled at on Twitter when I talk about it. I'd like to see the Lakers there, uh, but I also like oh. Denver. Like I said, I think Denver is really an underrated team that I don't think people are giving too much credence to. Um, Oklahoma City, uh, I think they'll still be there because they have the, the, the physical specimen that is uh, Russell Westbrook. Um, I, I haven't seen much of the Grizzlies this season, so can't really speak on them yet. I got to watch them a little bit. I'm still on the East Coast. Um, I've watched some Clippers. I like the, also like the way the Nuggets handled the Lakers in the preseason. I keep going back to the Nuggets, but yeah, I, they have something special there. They, they, they do. do. Nuggets, Nuggets are definitely looking, looking better than, than expected. And maybe this will be the year they finally kind of get over that hump and really show that what they've got potential uh, with the potential they have underneath for it. I agree with both what you guys were saying as far as Houston and Golden State being kind of that top tier. Oklahoma City and Utah kind of I think is up there as well, but both of them have, in my opinion, serious injury concern as far as uh, they're both solid teams and you expect them to be at the top unless any of their stars miss a good chunk of games, which has happened in past seasons, so it's not something you can count out. I would hope that Portland is right there in the mix with Lakers, Denver, New Orleans, as far as kind of there's maybe that six or seven teams going for those bottom uh, four or six spots left in the playoffs for it. I do have a one question I want to throw in here, uh, if you don't mind. Oh, what's up, Scoop? You saying? And I wanted to add real quick. I, I think people are sleeping on San Antonio. Uh, I like the addition. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and you, you can't count uh, Coach Popovich out, but you know they have a new system. There's no Tony Parker. There's no uh, Mano Ginobili. Uh, but I, I like the, the young core of of, of uh, um, Demar Demar Derozan as well as. Um, Lamarcus Aldridge. Uh, I think Lamarcus Aldridge will be able to. I think you saw it last year. He felt more comfortable in pop system. First year, kind of seemed uncomfortable. He seemed like um, he, he seemed like uh, Tim Duncan's replacement. You, you, that's like saying that's like bringing Ronnie Cycli in after Shaq left Orlando. That, that's just no comparison. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Okay, let me uh, let me swing this back towards the Blazers real quick. Uh, 
so as far as something that can really help the Blazers kind of maintain one of those upper spots that we're all hoping for and that Scoop has given us some confidence in as well, uh, I think beyond the starting lineup, I think a lot of the chemistry and a lot of kind of the consistency that is going to help us is the second unit. Evan Turner, hopefully, if Mo Harkless stays healthy, Evan Turner can really come off as a six-man. We've heard a lot of talk uh, from the media up here that both Evan and CJ are going to be more uh, into a playmaking role instead of just a straight scorer, trying to get more of our the younger guys involved. Uh and so that ties into a question that we got from one of our listeners this morning. He's just going by pessimism now on Twitter, but it's at at Hanniger is my uh, sorry at Hanniger is dad. This is one of our longtime listeners. How many so Twitter shout out accounts to Mitch does this dude there. have? He has like fifty thousand <laughs> right? Twitter accounts. <laughs> you always know who it is from the from the at name for it. That's true. But uh, but Mitch is asking how effective can the second unit be? Looking at how it is now. So uh, Scoop, let me just ask you. With the Blazers bench unit, it's obviously nothing that we're going to feel too great about. It's nothing that you can really like throw these names out there on paper and think they're really holding a lot of water. But Evan Turner, let's say Zach Collins, uh, who else will be coming off the bench Myers, for us here at this Leonard, point? We got Curry, remember, we got Stauskas, Myers. Yeah, I like Myers. And I like there him. we go. There we go. <laughs> oh, talk like about him. it. I mean, he's a guy legitimately who, you know, at, at seven feet, he, he strikes you as a goddess. He reminds me so, you might think I'm crazy. Uh, he reminds me of like a young Sabonis. Like I, I don't know if that's an easy comparison mm-hmm. to make, but you know he can he can score, he can rebound, he can dribble. He, he's not a banger down low, but at the same time, he's a quality guy. He's a guy that, that can get you some points, a guy that can get you some rebounds, and more than anything, I like the I like the what you said about Evan Turner in addition to that because you know I went to college in the Philadelphia area, and so I watched Evan Turner play with with Iguodala and play with Allen Iverson, play with Lou Williams, and so yeah. um, I think he's got to. If, if, if Evan Turner's going to have a successful season, he's just got to be comfortable in him. Um, I talked about LaMarcus Aldridge a little while ago. When LaMarcus Aldridge plays with him, playing like LaMarcus Aldridge, not the way people think LaMarcus Aldridge can play, LaMarcus Aldridge will LaMarcus Aldridge all day. And so when I look at Evan, <laughs> when I look at Evan Turner, he's a six foot seven guy. Uh, he's getting older, so you know I, I look at him as an Andre Iguodala guy, a guy that can play okay. playmates. He can, he can score what he needs to. He can create his own shot. His brother can shoot, but you gotta you, you gotta give Damian Lillard some minutes. Lillard just can't be putting up 40, 45 minutes a game. You gotta get him some rest because um, if you yes. want him to be effective, that's gonna happen. And, and, you, and comparatively speaking, like you look at somebody like John Wall with the Washington Wizards. Um, I, so I spoke to John Wall back right before he was coming back from his injury last season. And, you know, he said, man, the best thing that ever happened to me was just me getting some rest. Um, I think that sometimes you can run Damian Lillard on the ground. He's such a great player. But at 28 years old, getting older, and you want to preserve that 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 greatness that is Damian Lillard for the playoffs. I completely agree. I, this is another thing that we've talked about on past podcasts that Damian Lillard needs some rest, needs not needs to not be topping the team in minutes, let alone like kind of one of those top spots in the league. And then hopefully we do see a bit more of that this season with uh, with Curry coming in behind him and maybe Evan and CJ playing more of a playmaker role. Uh, Scoop, we've had a great time having you in here, but I got to get one more thing in here before we let you go. This is this is our 50th episode for the Trailcasters. We have made it. That's at least half a milestone. It may not be 100, but we're almost there. And so I just want to throw it over to you as an established no as a dominant force in podcasting can you give us any advice on keeping it fun keeping it fresh and keeping it going for another 50 
Just do you. First of all, congratulations on the 50 episodes. That's a, that's a Thank wonderful you. accomplishment. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. And just continue to do you. Um, and, and make sure that more than anything, you get the numbers up by asking the questions that people really want to know and making sure the blogs pick it up. But more than anything, guys, I like your chemistry. I'm watching you guys beat Damian Lillard and Evan Turner on on, on, on camp. Great. <laughs> yes. Wait, who's who? Who, who? Who's who, though? <laughs> I need to know this. <laughs> well, judging by him showing me his jersey, he's Brandon Roy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my name is Brandon. Come on. Uh, now we have three Brandons on the show. <laughs> I know. Totally. Uh, we got listen. We got Damian and Brandon Brandon Roy on the team. You could be B. You could be Brandon. Uh, oh, excuse me. You could be Damian Lillard. And okay. My, the gentleman on my right, he can be Damian Lillard. Well, actually, no, it's the other way around. You can be Damian Lillard on my left, and you can be Brandon Roy on my right. That works. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Makes me an honorary thank Brandon. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, man. Thank you, Scoop. It's great having you on here. Uh, hopefully, we can get you back on again another time. And listeners, you heard what he's saying. We need to be asking the questions that you guys are asking. So please, let us know what you think. Write us at Trailcasters on Twitter, IG, and Facebook, or email us at trailcasters at gmail.com. Brandon Robinson, Scoop B, thank you again. Please, come back anytime. If listeners uh, are trying to get a hold of you, what is the best social media option to, to reach out? I mean, follow me on Twitter. That's where I'm breaking news. That's where I'm, I'm tweeting out my articles from Basketball Society Online. That's where I'm tweeting things about uh, Scoopy Radio. We got 2 million downloads last year. We have 1.5 million downloads as of July. Drop the Scoopy Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitcher app, or simply visit ScoopBRadio.com. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for having me. It's an honor. Scoopy Radio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.